The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut invites you to spend the next quarter of an hour with us for this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. This is Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing with the next sermon in Pastor Greg Scalzo's series on Heavenly Authority. Before we begin my husband's message, let me remind you of our church website at www.shiarjashub.org, where you will find information about our church and services, as well as a library of radio programs for serious Bible study. Shi'ar Jashub is spelled S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B. Here now is the author of The Nature and Power of Prayer, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Last time we saw um, the power that was upon the apostles when Jesus sent them out two by two. In Luke chapter 9, verse 6, we read, So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. And remember, the gospel that they preached was first that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, and then that the people should repent and believe the good news. And when Jesus sent them out two by two, he gave them power and authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. We read that in Matthew chapter 10. And authority to heal all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. Mark chapter 6 and verse 13 says, And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So they fulfilled the temporary commission that Jesus gives them to go out two by two, and then they come back to him, right? And we're told that they did indeed cast out many demons. They anointed with oil many who were sick, and they healed them. They were indeed healed. And then in Mark chapter 6 and verse 30, we read that the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, what they had done and what they had taught. So what they did and what they taught. And you have the word accompanied by the signs. And we begin to see in our study of heavenly authority the tremendous authority and responsibility and power that the Lord gives to his church to use in his name. To review the apostles, the sent out ones, were those Jesus himself wanted. He selected them. He called them. In Mark 3, in verse 13, it says, He went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. He chose them. They did not choose him. And in Luke chapter 6, we're told that he had continued all night in prayer before calling these men to himself and naming them. He designates them. Now, we know from the Gospels earlier on, he has called each one individually, right? Each one has come to him individually. But now he calls them as a group and designates them, names them apostles in a very special appointed position. And remember the calling that they had from Mark chapter 3. 
he calls them to him. And in verse 14 of chapter 3 of Mark, it says, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. So one, that they might be with him. And that two, he might send them out to preach, preach the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of repentance. And then three, to have power in verse 15 of Mark chapter 3, to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. They were to be with him, taught by him, instructed by him. They were to go out, sent out to preach the good news, and then signs to follow it to heal sicknesses and cast out demons, cast out unclean spirits. That's the, the calling, that's the role of the apostle. After his resurrection, if we look now in Acts chapter 1, that was all review of the previous weeks. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 2, Luke writes, Until the day in which he, Jesus, was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Again, he chose them whom he had chosen. And so you have here the minds of the apostles opened up by the Holy Spirit. And now they're understanding all that Jesus taught them. And he's, before his ascension, this is the period of time, the period of time between the resurrection and the ascension, he gives them commandments. He teaches them and gives them instructions. And after the resurrection, he recommissions them, with the obvious exception, obviously, of Judas. He recommissions the 11 of the 12 to be his witnesses throughout the world. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So they're recommissioned to be his witnesses throughout the world. And now the commission is not just to the Jews. Remember last week we studied when he sent them out, when he walked as one of us, he told them to go not to the Gentiles, not to the Samaritans, but to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here now the commission is expanded as they will go out permanently to spread the gospel he tells them that they will be witnesses in Jerusalem, again first to the Jew, in Judea and Samaria, and now to the end of the earth, even onto the Gentile nations. And that commission, that commission is not just to them, but all believers, all disciples of Jesus. And we know that from the end of Matthew, Matthew's gospel. But clearly the twelve, the apostles, had a special position in the fulfillment of this great commission. This work, this great commission that all of us ought to grab onto, to preach the gospel to whomever God brings in our path, had a very special place, obviously, in the lives of these very special eleven. And also, at the beginning of this, in the book of Acts, we have the beginning of the work, the Acts of the, what? Apostles. The nation of Israel is the focus. They are the ones to whom the word of God goes first. And you notice that number 12, 
It is the number of apostleship. It has significance. Twelve apostles. We will see in a few moments that that number is brought back. It's down to 11, but it will be brought back to 12. And why 12? Immediately, if we know anything of the Bible, our minds should go to the 12 tribes of Israel. And there is clearly a connection between these original 12 men and the original mission to Israel, an apostleship to Israel. Paul will write in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 7, he says, But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised, the Jews, was to Peter. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised, to the Jews, also worked effectively in me, meaning Paul, toward the Gentiles. So obviously a focus of these 12 apostles is the mission to the 12 tribes of Israel. And Peter is a leader of this, these 12 to bring the gospel to the circumcised. But also remember that when Philip goes out to Samaria, right, and many receive the word of God, Peter and John go down and lay hands upon them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And also remember that Peter is really the first to preach to the Gentiles, right, in the instance of Acts chapter 10 in Cornelius' house. And the disciples, the apostles, will fulfill the commission then to go to all nations, even in their lives, as you see, for example, John the Apostle, who will wind up in Asia Minor and will minister in Ephesus in those churches there that Paul helped to establish. And he will be um, put on the island of Patmos, imprisoned, and will write letters to those churches as Jesus gives him the letters and we have in the book of Revelation to the churches in Asia Minor. Peter, we know he writes his letter from Babylon, and he's there with Mark and Silvanus, Silas. Mark and Silas, who had been Paul's uh, partners and travel mates, and we know Mark was with Paul in Rome, and it would seem as though, and we know that Jesus prophesied that Peter would be crucified. He would go where he did not want to go and would be crucified. So it would seem that Peter did indeed arrive at Rome and he was crucified, and he too preached to the Gentiles, reinforcing what Paul had placed down. These Jewish apostles who administered first the Jews later on in their lives, and there are uh, traditions about the other apostles, how they preached to other areas outside of the region of Israel. But their first focus, the 12 apostles, is to the 12 tribes of Israel. Look with me in Matthew chapter 19, if you can. Matthew chapter 19. You have the account um, in verse 16 of the rich young ruler who asked the Lord, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? We'll stop the sermon at this point and pick it up next time. Greg, you know, there are so many questions believers have about the scriptures. 
And an important one is how can an individual be sure that they are in a father-child relationship with God? We pray our Father, but what confidence do we have that God indeed sees us as his children? Many would answer that God is our Father because he created all people. And certainly he is the Father of spirits, as it says in Hebrews 12.9. Paul reminds the Athenians that in God we live and move and have our being, as some of their own poets had said, we are his offspring. But the scriptures also make clear that all mankind is separated from God because of sin. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1 that we were formerly alienated and enemies of God by our wicked works. But then the good news that now we are reconciled back to God by the blood of the cross of Jesus. Ephesians 1.5 says, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And Galatians 4.6 tells us that now redeemed, the spirit of his son is sent into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Daddy, Father. So it's because of our acceptance of Jesus that we have confidence to call God our Father. This is just one of the topics you discuss in more detail in your book, The Nature and Power of Prayer. That's right. And I encourage our listeners to get a copy. It is available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and from many bookstores. And it would make a thoughtful gift for someone this Christmas. That's The Nature and Power of Prayer by Pastor Greg Scalzo. Please join Pastor Greg Scalzo for the next edition of Shi'ar Jashuv.